Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Roto World Football Show. Normally, you'd be getting this greeting from Patrick Darty, but both he and Denny Carter have finally decided to meet in person, pistols in hand, and duel things out with the lawyers there, of course. That is really what's going on, is the final firing, uh, maybe, we'll see, depending on how the lawyers do, the final firing of Denny Carter is supposedly taking place, so you'll have me and Lawrence both today and for the Thursday show, probably joined by a guest, one of our awesome writers on Thursday as well. So, Lawrence, it's the dead of summer. Literally nothing is happening. But Scott Fish has blessed us with something to talk about, which is the Scott Fish Bowl. For the handful of listeners who don't know, Scott Fish Bowl is a charity event that is leagues upon leagues upon leagues. Like, what is it, like 15 or 100 or so people? In- three, three, I think it's 3,000 now. Shut up. It's so much yeah. better than I Yeah, yeah. Uh, 3,000 competitors, celebrities, fans, analysts, experts, novices – all competing within leagues that then kind of like best ball break out into these final rounds to crown a winner. The scoring, I was hoping you'd know because I have picks to make. It's typically super flex with really interesting, weird scoring quirks. I know the quarterbacks last year, and I think that's true this year, can really get punished for being like inefficient for, you know, turnovers and stuff. So, and that's something I love about Scott Fish just in general is this format every year. It's typically super flex, or at least it's been for a few years, but it understands how to make that really interesting where, oh, you don't always just like lock in that second flex as a, or the super flex as a quarterback, because if you're locking in a truly like inefficient pad quarterback, you will get punished. So we are both like two rounds in, two picks in as well. So how did you start off? You had the one-on-one? Yeah, yeah. So I pretty much take the one-on-one every year to get my boy Lamar. And it's right after that, the quarterbacks just flew off the board. You know, you're getting you getting the pick number seven, eight. And we talking about Justin Fields here. You know what I'm saying? So it took until the latter parts of the first round for guys like Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Cooper Cup to go. It got back around to me. Uh, my second pick. And remember, this is third round reversal. So if you have that one-on-one pick, you're not getting the back-to-back picks there. So I took Jonathan Taylor uh, with my second pick. But like you mentioned, Kyle, the score makes it in such a way that you could get these quarterbacks and stack up on these quarterbacks. And that doesn't mean you're just going to run through your league like that. Like you better get them tight ends, them receivers, and even those kickers in this league, uh, he, he makes sure that the kickers matter. They're still not going to matter to me. I'm still going to draft all of the ballers that ball on the field on, on the actual plays. But it's cool, though, like you said, how they set up 
the scoring to make it so that each position is important. Yeah, Justin Tucker, slander aside, he's a, a undoubtedly a baller. So I take a bit of example. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, as well, yeah. I, I I give you Justin Tucker. Uh, after that, you and Denny could kick rocks on that one. No pun intended. I, I had the 112, and I did go Justin Fields, as you uh, noted, that like he was the last quarterback I thought had that elite QB ceiling. He probably has like yeah. a scarier floor because like his sacks and his turnovers, if they persist, will get punished. But like Scott Fishbowl, I'm not playing for floor. I don't care if he goes out and has a terrible yeah, yeah, year. Right, I want right, the, right. I want to chase the year where he's a he's a baller. So, and I think that's possible. I mean. I know it's possible. He's like one of the best rushers at quarterback we've ever seen, frankly. So, and then Cooper Cup. I was just looking at the board. I saw a lot of quarterbacks go. I'm assuming it's super flex. And I saw some receivers go. I was like, sure, I'm going to take the good players. You know, let's not worry too much about the semantics of the scoring. I didn't, this wasn't a $500 buy in league. It's free. I'm going to take the, I'm going to yeah, take the yeah, good yeah, players. Yeah, and let it, work it, themselves you, out. You, you can experiment a little bit. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you make it far, it's like you, I mean, you get some, you know, recognition and then, you know, it's for a good cause too. So, you know what I'm saying, man? It, it's all, it's all good fun. And it's, it, at the end of the day, it's good to see, you know, everybody rally around it. Yeah, it's a great time to be on Twitter too. It's like the opening week of Scott Fishbowl is a great time. Speaking of having fun, experimenting, it's the middle of summer, nothing's going on. So we're doing takes. We're This is an episode of just takes. We're doing our favorite overvalued and undervalued players. Uh, no, no sifting through news, but if you want to, check out the new site. But we're just doing takes. So Lawrence, we both have three. Apparently, I've been told by producer Adam, we have one overlapping player, but not that we agree on, that we disagree on. So give me your first of the... So I think we did uh, a similar episode. So the second installment of overvalued, undervalued, who's your first undervalued player going in drafts right now? Yeah, and it's going to sound crazy. We don't expect much out of these guys. It's a rookie quarterback, and I'm going Anthony Richardson here. I feel like once you get outside of those, uh, you know, elite dual threat fantasy quarterbacks, we know them, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, Justin Fields, um, Deshaun Watson, I'm looking for him to bounce back. Once you get outside that, that tier of dual threat quarterbacks who are mostly all a threat to give you 800 to a thousand rushing yards on the ground. Josh Allen as well. I failed, failed to mention him. Once you get outside of this guy, you're sitting on a quarterback one with the potential points wise, as far as fantasy goes, could be in the mix with those other guys. Maybe because he's a rookie who's an, on not as good of a team with as good a roster, you know, He'll, he'll have his rookie mistakes like they all do. Maybe, you know, maybe turnovers are in play. But what's also going to be in play for Anthony Richardson is the big play. Um, we saw what a guy like uh, Jalen Hurts did last year in a similar offense that Anthony Richardson will be uh, will be tasked with running here with uh, Shane Steichen. Now, I, I consider this offense, uh, it, it'll be like the Eagles light. Right. Because they don't have the A.J. Browns. They don't have the Devontae Smith, but they got the Michael Pittman's and the Alec Pierce's and the Josh Downs who who should be uh, more more than manageable. And a lot of people have compared uh, uh, Anthony Richardson to Cam Newton coming out the size, the physique, the athleticism. I would say Anthony Richardson's a, a tad more athletic, more explosive, especially as a runner. And many people don't know. That Cam Newton was the first rookie quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards in the season. 
People don't know that, right? It, he was quarterback three that year in fantasy. Now the game has changed because the quarterbacks around him that season was Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady. Got none of those guys were running for eight hundred yards. So now you're surrounded by those guys, but still with the opportunity ahead of him, I could see him. Maybe not. He maybe he don't get to four thousand yards per se, but I could definitely see around 3,000 to 3,500 passing yards. He definitely could go for those same 700 rushing yards that Cam Newton went for as a rookie, and double-digit rushing touchdowns are on the table. Yeah, I, I leverage. I think he is my most drafted player in best ball right now. Like, I just don't... Uh... Like you said, we've got the quarterback landscape has changed a little bit, but I almost don't see how he doesn't pay off as like a low end QB one with elite high end QB one ceiling. Because like you talked about it, Cam Newton is one of the most athletic quarterbacks we've ever seen. Anthony Richardson probably is the most. I mean, by relative athletic score, he's a perfect 10.0. He is the highest RAS of any quarterback. He is like the size of Derrick Henry with four four three speed, like elite splits, great vertical, great. I mean literally the best quarterback vertical in the history of the combine, the best broad in the history of the combine. He is elite running back level of athleticism with a cannon for an arm. And he plays a position where just that rushing alone makes it so easy for him to differentiate from the non-rushers that typically go in that back end QB one range. Like looking at taking him a little bit ahead of like a Kirk Cousins spurging on him versus a Geno Smith. These guys are fine. Good passers, good offenses. Yeah, like, this is the type of player that breaks fantasy, though. That's what we see when we get the best seasons from Jalen Hurts, from Lamar Jackson. The best games and seasons from Josh Allen is having that Russian component, a high end Russian component is how you break fantasy or you'd be like Patrick yeah. Mahomes. That's the. Yeah, yeah. If, if I'm if I'm missing out on all if I'm not having a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, all those guys, I'm going to take Anthony Richardson over the Geno Smiths, over the Kirk Cousins, even over the Daniel Jones, who he has some rushing upside of his own. Um, but look, we're, we're talking about a quarterback that's getting drafted in double digit rounds. This is the last year you're going to get that. So if you're if you're in like a keeper league, a double digit keeper league, double digit round keeper league, like this is a, Anthony Richardson is a guy you definitely want to target in those rounds. I'm certainly doing so. Yeah, even if he has like a bad passing season too, which is possible. Like he was inaccurate in college. Like he, he threw really deep, incredibly deep. So you expect him to be less like just completion percentage, raw completion percentage isn't going to exactly detail how he throws and what he's good at. But he struggled with accuracy at times in college. And we saw that this past year from Justin Fields. Like, wasn't the best passer of the football. They needed to give him more weapons, and they've tried to do that. But just the rushing alone guaranteed that he would be going in, like, five in the fifth or sixth round. And that's what we're seeing. So even if I like the, the keeper or even dynasty example of even if the passing doesn't work out, it takes some time to get there. The rushing alone is just going to mean that next year, year over year, his ADP is going to rise. Like he is a good bet to increase or sustain like dynasty keeper type of value. So I love this pick. It obviously supports something I believe. So of course I'm going to say it's a great pick for me. My first undervalued player is Tony Pollard, the RB seven 22nd overall. I just don't get the only thing I believe people are afraid of to not take him at the one, two turn is the return of Zeke, which it's possible. Like Jerry Jones has alluded to this. I mean, he's not going to be expensive because there's clearly not much of a market for him. So I, I vaguely get that concern, but if we clear that hurdle or another veteran running back hurdle, you're looking at 
I, I think, frankly, one of the best running backs of the past five or so years in the NFL in a workhorse role. I mean, since entering the league, Pollard ranks first in yards after contact per carry, fourth in missed tackles forced per carry, third in just plain yards per carry, and fifth in explosive run rate. He, like, we talk about Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor as you fantasy analysts whenever they take, like, Najee Harris. They're like, I know he's not great. Nick Chubb, best pure runner. But we got to get the fantasy points. I think we can just do both with Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard has the catching pass prowess. Now he'll have the goal line role because I don't. they're not going to give that to Malik Davis or Deuce Vaughn. And he has the, like, contention for best pure runner. You can have your cake and eat it, too, at Tony Pollard. Please don't tell me this is the one you disagree on. How do we feel about this one? Uh, nah, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't disagree with it all. I actually don't feel like he's, uh, undervalued or overvalued. I feel like right now it's just right. Um, cause when we're talking about fantasy, well, he was already inside the top 10 running backs last season with Zeke, um, taking a lot of those touchdowns. Zeke scored double digit touchdowns, matter of fact. Um, and I think it's like you said, the main thing we're waiting on and he could he'll be one of the biggest movers as far as the ADP go, you know, just based on whether or not Zeke returns. It would be it would be really hard for me to believe that they will go another route as far as veterans like going Fournette or uh, or Kareem Hunt. Um, so if it's Zeke, you know, you're losing possibly eight to ten touchdowns. So you know, um, other than that, man, if it if it's as is. I mean, yeah, you can't you can't say he doesn't have a top five upside as a fantasy running back because who else they gonna get a ball to? Like Deuce Vaughn can work his way in there to give him a breather. I love him as a player, as a football player, but um, Tony Pollard will be that guy. The question will be, do they want him touching the ball twenty plus times? He's been mostly efficient up until this point in his career. So it's all, it's really, it's, hey, Zeke, we waiting on you, dog. <laughs> please, please, Zeke, anywhere else. I have way too much Pollard, way too much Pollard in best ball, and I think these are out so I can show them. Cover boy, like, we need this. Pollard, we, not only me. Well, well, well last year, the cover guy on our draft guy was Jalen Hurts, and, you know, he went off. So if that's any indication then, then it might just be a Tony Pollard season. I think it is an indication. You have a running back undervalued on your list, Lawrence. Who is up next? Um, yeah, so that's going to be Aaron Jones for me, man. Um, I, th- I think he's uh seems to be a forgotten man, mainly because his buddy Aaron, you know, came over here to New Jersey to uh, join the Jets. But when I look at this, and I'm also not, counting the Packers out of that division that's just a side note I think that division's wide open mainly because you know you got Jordan Love there right when I saw Jordan Love play he didn't play scared now but on the other hand you have this offense with a new young quarterback in here um who's this offense gonna depend on uh they're gonna depend on the most veteran player on that offense uh outside of Bakhtiari, who who hardly plays on the offensive line, they're gonna depend on Aaron Jones. And I'm and I'm liking him over guys like Najee Harris, uh Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, who we don't know is the deal with uh with his uh injury. Even I'd even look at him, you know, taking him over a guy like Joe Mixon. He's coming off a year 
where he had a career best 1,121 rushing yards on the ground, like literally a career best year he just had in a year where the Packers weren't good coming off a season where he caught 59 passes. Like, that's plenty good. Like, we'll take that. There was literally eight players, eight running backs, rather, that scored more fantasy points than Aaron Jones last season. But he's he's going as the RB17 right now. So I'm liking him more around that, you know, flirting with that RB1 range because why? He was running back 12 on a points per game basis last year. So to, to, if I, if I could, you know, if I could get him, it, I feel like I'm getting like kind of a steal, especially him going running back 17. And I think it's because Aaron Rodgers isn't there no more. I think that's the, it's like Tony Pollard is where he is because we don't know what Zeke is going to do. Aaron Rodgers right now, he kind of dropped a little bit in the eyes of, I don't know, fantasy players, gurus, and managers all over the world uh, because Aaron Rodgers is gone. But I'm liking that. I'm liking that value there. You know, Tony, I was looking at my best ball rankings, which you can find on the site, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a bit lower than ADP on Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones currently going 53rd overall, RB17. And I was like, oh, well, why, why is that? I think – to me, one, the funny thing is that I also have him RB17. The reason of why that is, is not that I don't like him relative to the running backs. I'm apparently, and this is true in my actual best ball drafts, taking receivers over him there. But actually, as far as running backs go, I think he's perfectly fine. Like you said, we've seen him clear this RB17 benchmark of his ADP right now pretty consistently. The one obvious concern, like you noted, is Jordan Love and the lack of Aaron Rodgers, two-time MVP. The one two-time back-to-back before... Uh, 2022 four-time total right uh yeah i'm i'm a little scared of how things are gonna go with jordan love at the helm we saw last year i think the offense really struggled with the lack of Devonte adams and an unclear target share you're gonna need christian watson to step up maybe they can get something out of Jaden reed i don't love what they're doing at tight end i think they're a team that like looks somewhat to be rebuilding i mean they're starting what will essentially be a rookie quarterback. He'll never, he hasn't taken a start in week one yet. So rookie quarterback or de facto rookie quarterback, rookie or second year players at every receiver position, almost certainly at tight end, unless they start Josiah Degura. So I, and I'm not optimistic on the potential success of Jordan Love because you just don't see guys spend this much time on the bench and then come out and have success. Ironically, the one glaring example of a guy to do this was just his mentor in Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, beyond just the overall touchdown output of the offense, the touchdown output for uh, the backfield specifically skews heavily towards A.J. Dillon. Last year, A.J. Dillon outcarried Aaron Jones 10-3 to inside the five-yard line. He had a slightly positive fantasy points over expected on those. Uh, Aaron Jones, don't I don't think he scored a single touchdown on any of his inside the five carries. That makes sense. Dylan, nah. uh, I don't know if you've seen him, but his quads are giant. Of course, you're going to use him when you need to gain <laughs> specifically two or three yards. And then on the other hand, Aaron Jones does that thing he does really well, where he breaks incredibly long runs at a clip that you wouldn't think is sustainable. But that means that he doesn't get those short yardage work. So I'm, I would say I'm concerned about his uh, touchdown output. I'm concerned about the offense, but only in that it makes me want to take the receivers there more relative to the other running backs. I, I think he's a perfectly fine value. 
Yeah, didn't score a lot of touchdowns. Only scored two rushing touchdowns on the on the ground, which makes it even more crazy that he did finish as a RB one on a points per game basis. Moving on to my next one, uh, I realized as I'm doing this, I'm just I'm tanking good players. Do you always feel this good when you're just like, I think these guys are good. We should draft them because I'm digging in the numbers. I'm like, oh, Chris Olave looks to be really good. What if Michael Thomas comes back and hurts his target share? Don't care. Like, what about the quarterback play? Derek Carr wasn't great last year. Did you see the quarterbacks the Saints were trotting out last year? Can we please, and this is, somehow I've evolved into let's uh, play the best plays kind of guy. Can we just take the good the good players? Chris Olave, as a rookie, had the sixth highest target share of any rookie wide receiver since 2013. The guys just ahead of him, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Jamar Chase. The guys just below him, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell. Amari Cooper, Odo Beckham, getting up in the higher echelon of target share, just straight up target share as a rookie is a benchmark for players who are like future stars. That's not particularly surprising. The guys who get on the field and get the ball at the age of like 21, 22, they just keep doing that. You see the same thing in rookie yards per route run where he, since 2013 over the past decade, has the fourth highest yards per route run, just edged out Jamar Chase, just behind uh, one of my favorites, a very what could have been Martavis Bryant, but then also just behind Justin Jefferson and Odo Beckham. The guys who are good as rookies are just going to keep being good. Mostly. That is mostly true. He's going to get a quarterback upgrade. The offense will be better as a whole. And he's going right now at a spot where I think... uh, Yeah, I'm just windmilling the elite talent. He goes to the wide receiver 12, 19 overall. I'm just going to windmill the elite talent in an upgraded situation. I don't think the Saints are going to be great, but they're still better off with Derek Carr than they were last year. Like, let's take the good players. Is we're at some point we're going to reach the players that we disagree on. Well, I I always draft good players in fantasy football because I know who the good players are. I likely always know who the good players are in football. So in the case of Chris Olave, yeah, uh, Derek Carr was bad last year, right? Uh, to his standards, at least. Um, but Devontae Adams still produced fifteen hundred receiving yards, was still an elite fantasy option, and that happened. That's what happens uh, when you're a very talented guy. Josh Jacobs out of the backfield had a career year himself. So you had a, a top running back and a top receiver. But nobody was starting Derek Carr. He, he like it, it's almost amazing that this happened for him. Um, yeah, and um, I, I'm with you on the uh, whole Michael Thomas thing. I think doesn't matter what the team does. Michael Thomas could get his too. To be honest, he could get his too. Um, they'll throw the ball plenty enough, especially uh, with Derek Carr there. The only thing about Chris Olave is it's just so many. Um, it's just so many good receivers like. You're not mad at like if you draft a certain way and you just starting out as a you're letting the draft fall to you and you're drafting a couple of running backs and you get to the third, fourth round and um, Chris Olave starts off as your top receiver. I wouldn't be mad at that, especially considering um, you got two of the top running backs in the draft. Otherwise, you know. I like him as a uh, as a wide receiver too on my team behind a guy behind one of the top guys rather like a Tyreek Hill uh, a CD Lamb you pair him you pair make those kind of pairs together and uh and I think you're moving working with something but like you say though clearing over a thousand yards with Andy Dalton not mad at that at all I will never um 
deny a fantasy player because of their talent. That's what I won't do. And he got it. All right, let's play the game. We have three receivers going just after pick 15 on underdog. Who are you taking over Chris Olave, Jalen Waddle, or Devonta Smith? Oh, so I'm going to go Jalen Waddle. And then uh, mm, that one be I, I would go Olave second and then Devonta Smith. Alave is the number one outright on that team. Uh, now, where I mean, Jalen, I'm sorry, uh, Devontae Smith puts up pretty damn near close to number one numbers, but you know, they 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 their their numbers are similar. But give me the guy who put up a thousand yards and missed four games. You know, I think I go Olave here. I think I mean I know I go Olave. I take Olave over Waddle. Yeah, yeah, and over Devonta, but over Waddle too. Ooh, interesting. I have him ranked. I, I have him ranked back to back in my best ball rankings, which is contrary to uh, ADP, where actually I have I have a little bit. I have a little bit of running back gap between them too, which is contrary to ADP. So I am out on a on a limb here. Not as much Waddle fade, more so uh, Olave. Very bullishness. Lawrence, who is what will be your thor- third and final undervalued player in the dead middle of summer? Yeah, you know, uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, man. Um, still a, you know, solid player. Um, this is more of a situation where, um, again, if I'm starting out, if I'm starting out with the running backs here and I could get Marquise Brown as, uh, you know, my wide receiver three when I've already waited on receivers, uh, this is where I'm just going to have to go. And, you know, and, and it's not even because of what he did the first six games uh as a at when deandre hopkins was out uh he was wide receiver five and wide receiver seven on a points per game basis i would actually say this if it ends up being colt mccoy uh starting off the season he wasn't good with colt mccoy uh last season averaging four catches and under 35 yards in those games however deandre hopkins was but deandre hopkins is not here no more so I, I'm just begging on that. Not a player I would draft too much higher uh, over his ADP, which is wide receiver 31. Um, I, I wouldn't let him creep into that wide receiver two territory, but there's a nice little sweet spot where I'd like to have him. If he's my wide receiver three and, and you know, and I've waited a little bit, or I might've got two wide receiver studs off the bat, you know, uh, maybe I went CD lamb, AJ Brown back to back, Got a couple of running backs. Um, drafted Kyle Pitts because we all know I'm going to do that. Drafted Lamar because we all know I'm going to do that. Then Marquise Brown comes around with like, you know, they'll be losing. You know, they'll be losing and throwing. And, you know, him and Greg Dortch will be catching those passes. So, I, 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 love, I mean, somebody got to do it. Somebody has to, you know, reap those benefits. And the guy who's been proven to do it the most on that team over the past year is Hollywood Brown. I'll give the, he's the one player that I had on my overvalued list. So I will give the bull case uh, on the second half of the show. I won't do my rebuttal now, but I am, and this is, it's not too much of a Hollywood indictment. This offense is going to be scary until we get Kyler back, maybe even afterwards, but I am not looking forward to the first time Pat tells me I have to watch and blurb a Cardinals game in the first half of the season. So. <laughs> well, you'll look forward to it if you, you know, if you draft 
Marquise Brown. You'll be watching it then. <laughs> let, let, let me ask you this. Is there is is there players that you just go into a draft and say, I'm not drafting him no matter what? No. I I have Marquise Brown significantly below his ADP uh, in my best ball rankings, but I certainly take him. Yeah, I'm, I'm well below his ADP, but players fall below their ADP all the time. So I have some Marquise teams. He also, for the best ball sickos, plays in a pretty fun, well, maybe pretty fun game versus the Eagles in week 17. So when that final round comes around and this is for all the money, essentially, yeah. like he's not a player I want to have zero up. He can absolutely break the slate in week 17. He can, he can do that at any point. I'm just not sure we'll see a ton of it until Kyler comes back. So I, I have some Marquise Brown teams, but but not nearly as much as the average drafter. So I am concerned. We'll get to my concerns later. But no, I, I still take even every player that I say is overvalued. I will probably have a few best ball teams hanging around with them on. Not many, but right. it certainly happens. My last player, uh, I was worried any of my over or undervalued players would be someone you think is overvalued. And that didn't happen. It went the other well, way. And I'm well, maybe, this, maybe this is the one, maybe this is another one that we don't know yet. Oh, that'd be terrifying because this player is so good. George Kittle, another one. I'm <laughs> take the best players, but we're getting such a discount on the best players because people are so tied up in the micro analysis of George Kittle's splits with Brock Purdy, without, with the other receivers on the field, without, that they missed the fact that he goes 62nd overall in drafts right now as the tight end four. He has the highest single season yards per route run, um, yards per route run among tight ends since 2013. He also has the third best season and the fourth best season with only Mark Andrews sneaking in there, breaking up his trifecta of the top three. He also has since 2013, the first fourth and fifth most receiving yards in a game. I mean, even versus Travis Kelsey, not that this is an indictment of Kelsey. This is a, an acclaim to George Kittle's greatness. He is the most efficient on a per route run basis consistently. And he has the biggest spike weeks of any tight end in terms of overall receiving yards in the NFL. And he does them more often than anyone else. And they're letting us get him in the 60s. I mean, come on. This is this is robbery here. I, I think elite tight end when you don't have to pay elite tight end prices is a really strong strategy this year. And to the Denny Carters out there, he has poisoned our minds saying we don't want our tight ends to block. It is perfectly fine to look at a highlight of George Kittle pancaking someone and say that's a good thing because last year he ran 3% fewer routes on his passing plays than Travis Kelsey. He gets to stay out there and block every now and then, but he's still running a ton of routes. He was like the fourth or fifth most routes in the NFL. He's elite. He's cheaper than ever. Like, Talk me off of taking George Kittle in at every draft because I, I do a lot of that right now. Uh, again, uh, I'm not going to be the one to talk you off that. And uh, I don't know what Denny talking about. We want our tight ends blocking because we want them on the field. We want we want our running backs blocking too. Uh, nah, man, I mean, I don't even – this just off the top of my head. This dude went nine for 181 and two touchdowns in the game last year. Um, I waited out. I'll – I'll start him every week just waiting for that game uh, because I know it's going to happen. Um, the quarterback situation in his case, I think that affects his ADP, but it doesn't affect what I'm thinking because he's gotten it done um, with every quarterback he's played with uh, all the way back to C.J. Beathard at Iowa who came with him to the 49ers, Jimmy G., uh, Nick Mullins, now Brock Purdy, 
We ain't seen him do nothing crazy with Trey Lance yet, but we ain't seen Trey Lance play. So, but I'm going to assume that if, you know, he end up being a dude that's in there, I don't know that he is. I think it's going to be Brock Purdy, which will probably be better for George Kittle from a uh, fantasy perspective. So, yeah, definitely. This is a, uh, I, I would say, I, I would say uh, pay a little higher on George Kittle than wait another couple rounds or another round for Darren Waller simply because it's the better, it's the better player. And again, I'm not going to deny the fantasy player because I'm just, I just want the good players. Like you said something about some in-depth analysis. I ain't getting into all that. I know he catch ball, run with ball, score with ball. Give me George Kidder. No, nah, ain't. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with you with that. No, sir. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine with the micro analysis on like ambiguous situations. Oh, I don't know if this player is good. Like, let me look at like his yards per out run. Look at the film or whatever. But like, we are so definitive that George Kittle is not only good, but like truly is one of the best tight ends of the 2000s. And they're giving us a discount on him. So absolutely. I'm just going to keep taking this guy. And like you said, with the quarterback situation, maybe people are viewing this as like a very high risk of like Trey Lance starts a lot and is bad. Not seeing that Trey Lance could start and be good. Or more importantly, that signs on Brock Purdy have all been consistently positive. I don't know that he starts week one, but I think the really bad scenarios where he misses like a month or more to start the season, I don't want to say they're ruled out, but at least it's trended in the right direction. And he's he's definitely the starter. Both, I think, Schefter and Ian Rapport have said they view him as the number one. He's the clear starter when healthy. And I think that's better overall for it. It's probably better for the offense, but it's definitely better for the pass catchers just for their receiving production. So I think quarterback looks relatively good. There's some risk here, but I think it's way they, more. They, I mean, I mean the, sa- the, the same thing, Kyle, is happening in the Debo right now. His uh, I, I actually should have put him instead of Hollywood as my undervalued player. But again, people are going to see that all Brock Purdy got to do is get these good players. The game that Brock Purdy came in uh, against the Dolphins where Jimmy G got hurt, he he went straight to Debo. He was feeding feeding Debo. People are going to realize that, like, hey, Kittle, Debo, it's kind of the same thing. You're getting discounts on both of them now, but for Debo, it's kind of a mixture of the quarterback situation and the fact that, you know, so many receivers are just coming up and being the outright top target on their teams. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Before we get into all of our overvalued players, each of which we have three, four, want to let you know the best way to watch baseball. The Giants face the Pirates once more in Pittsburgh this week. Both teams hope to move up in their divisions, but only one can rise Sunday morning. Watch MLB Sunday leadoff live at 1130 Eastern exclusively on Peacock. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Lawrence, who's your favorite player on either the San Francisco Giants or the Pittsburgh Pirates? Because I actually do know, uh, being a Pittsburgh raised, or at least raised by, by Yinzers, true Pittsburgh parents, I can name a ton of Pittsburgh players. Can you name a player on either of these teams? I make Denny do this every show, and it's always a, a good time. Uh, the, does Andrew McCutcheon play for them? Yes, he does. I think oh! at some point, I think at some point I, he left to get the bag, and then eventually came back. And I think oh, he back. See, I didn't even know he left. I didn't know he left. I was just, I was just shooting from half court right there. Uh, yeah, there you go, and Andrew McCutcheon. There, they're not on ask for no more because I don't know. I think that's already possibly better than Denny has fared. He he may be, <laughs> he's probably batting less than five hundred. Where I've only played this game with you once. And you're batting a thousand, and we'll keep. So uh, I, I need, yeah, I, I, I right. like the average. I like the average. <laughs> All right, moving into our overvalued players, Lawrence. Who is your first man up? Um, Justin, Justin. I almost said Jefferson. Um, <laughs> definitely not Justin Jefferson. He is correctly valued, but uh, it's gonna be Justin Herbert for me, man. Um, I, from a fantasy perspective, from a real football perspective, I just feel like. You know, fans and media and fantasy players. So this is not Justin Herbert's fault. It's the fans, the the media, the fantasy players. We are wanting him to be something that he is not yet. At least he's not that yet. Now, his first couple of years, he lit it up from a fantasy perspective. Took a dip last year and went to quarterback 15 on a points-per-game basis. Now I'm all cool with saying he could bounce back. However, what has drastically changed to, you know, make us believe that, especially with the other quarterbacks that we got out there who could pick up some yards on the ground, um, you drafted Quentin Johnston. Now, if... I, and I, you know, I've heard folks say that, hey, Quentin Johnson, he going, yeah, he's ready to go right now. So is Keenan Allen chop liver? Is Mike Williams chop liver? I know they be hurt sometimes, uh, uh, especially Mike Williams. But what has drastically changed? Oh, the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, who's, uh, you know, supposed to be all airing it out and stuff like this. Uh, Dak Prescott was 12th in the league in check down percentage. That's pretty high. Justin Herbert himself was second in check down percentage and led the league in check downs last season. So you may get some new plays. You may get a new play caller playing, calling the plays. But Kellen Moore can't go inside Justin Herbert's brain and make him start throwing the ball deep. He got Austin Eckler right there. Are we going to take away from Austin Eckler? Because he just had a career high 127 targets. Now, I don't expect him to see that number again. But 
Are you going to cut that in half to start throwing the ball deep? I don't know. Um, so if Justin Herbert does uh, play to the uh, the ADP of quarterback seven, quarterback seven, hell no. Look, if he plays to that ADP, somebody else like Austin Eckler has to suffer, right? If we're airing the ball out, then Austin Eckler, that'll be tough for him to be the RB2 or the RB3 in, in fantasy football. So, like, I'll straight up rather have Anthony Richardson in fantasy than Justin Herbert in fantasy in 2023. Just a little bit, that's that's overvalued for me, man, especially based on what he done last year and what the Chargers think they've done to correct that. We're going on offensive coordinator number three for Justin Herbert. There was like 10 spots in there where I'm like, this is a perfect clip. Someone clip this, put it on. These are, these are perfect. I, I'm, hey, they gonna be mad. <laughs> I'm a little, uh, a little tepid on Justin Herbert too. I, I'm, I don't think I'm as scared as you are, but I, I think I have him slightly below uh, ADP in terms of my best ball rankings, and I don't find myself taking him all that often. The only thing that like really scares me is I think he's got an incredible ceiling. I mean, we already saw it two years ago when he topped five thousand yards and threw. 38 touchdowns. Now he's getting a first round receiver. Now he's getting what I think should be a a pretty strong offensive coordinator upgrade. I can see the path in which he just posts an absolutely crazy season. Do I think it's all that likely? I don't think so. It's probably why I don't draft him as much, but I I will say it, it scares me to be light on Justin Herbert. I am light on him, but I could see a season where he goes out and you know, I can see him exceeding that 5,038. He's already done it once and he's in maybe a better situation, but I agree. The flip side of the coin is he was known as he wasn't known as like the highlight reel deep ball chucking quarterback coming out of college. He was known as game manager. He he, he can do, he has that arm, but that's just not, he don't do that. Like those 5,000 yards he throw for, he throws the ball 40 times a game. That's yep. not an exaggeration. That's literally the average that he's thrown it a game the past two years, 40. So it's like, yeah, you better throw for 5,000 yards then. Yeah, I totally agree. Moving on to my next undervalued player, Najee Harris, RB12, 37th overall. I've seen people say like, oh, well, he really started to pick things up when he got the plate taken out of his foot. And he did get better but I mean his numbers were still rough he I believe got it removed uh, before week six and from week six onward he was 31st in yards after contact uh, per attempt 44th in breakaway percentage 38th in plain old yards per carry 25th in PFF rushing grade Ugh, I uh, oh these are uh, overvalued producer Adam said I misspoke these are overvalued players in that you could maybe tell because I'm reading you some Concerning stats on Najee Harris and like uh, going back to what I know Denny is screaming at at his podcast players like I don't care if he's good he's going to get the ball a lot. Uh, I'm a little concerned that not that he doesn't lead this backfield in carries and probably lead it in targets but that Jalen Warren is good enough to put him into the sort of territory we saw with Zeke over the past few years where in 2020 and 2021 Tony Pollard was very obviously more efficient than Zeke. He did not get the ball nearly as much as Zeke. But with Zeke's efficiency struggling, you needed Zeke to get all of the carries and all of the targets because that was just the volume times efficiency and his cost 
mandated that happen. And we already saw this happen last year with Jalen Warren taking targets off the table of Najee Harris and the offense moving on from Big Ben to pushing the ball farther downfield and not only checking it down. I just not sure we get the absurd snap share, a ton of targets or all of the carries that you need or Najee needs to be more efficient just to pay off his cost. I think what he does makes sense for an NFL team. I don't know if it's been a first round pick on it, but from a fantasy perspective, I, I'm not taking the efficiency of him or the lack of every single touch. One of those has to give, or I'm not taking him at cost. So I don't take much Najee these days. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that because I'm on par with that. M- most of my concern is what the same concern you have for Aaron Jones is, except it's even more so here. I don't think the quarterback situation uh, is ideal. I actually mentioned Najee earlier as one of the guys that I wouldn't take over Aaron Jones. So there you go. Yeah, moving on, who is your next overvalued fantasy player? Yeah, I'm gonna go uh Damian Pierce here, who had a good uh who had a good rookie season as a rusher. Um the problem is they've brought in Devil Devin Singletary, and I think people aren't uh, you know, talking about that enough. Uh Damian Pierce as a rookie, two catches per game. So bringing in Devin Singletary, a guy who's averaged almost 40 catches per game the last three seasons, it lets me know that he's gonna have at least that type of role. Um you you don't come from your situation with the Bills and come to the Texans uh, unless otherwise. So I think he's being a bit overvalued as some workhorse back when we can see an experienced Devin Singletary get some work there. Yeah, I have him slightly behind ADP in my best ball rankings too, so I'm not pushing back on this at all. Pierce going as RB22, ADP of 69. He's, I think he's probably a far better real-life player than the fantasy output you get from him. One, because he's on a team that I don't expect to score many touchdowns. And two, he breaks a ton of tackles. And this is something that actually Najee did once he got the plate removed from his foot, if you believe that split matters. It probably does, but it is a small sample thing. Najee did break a lot more tackles when he was you know, supposedly trending toward being healthy, but that didn't result in more long runs. It didn't result in a significantly higher or above league average yards per carry. It's flashy, but for him and for Damian Pierce, who's an extreme tackle breaker, but he ran at like 4.3 yards per carry last year, it's flashy, and I think it's useful at converting probably short carries into slightly less short carries or tackles behind the line of scrimmage to at the line of scrimmage. But for the tackle breaker to really matter for fantasy, they got to break the tackle and then go yard, which is why like Alvin Kamara in his prime, at least you cared about the tackle breaking because it meant he was extremely efficient on a per touch basis for fantasy purposes. For us, like the broken tackles for Damian Pierce are nice, but he didn't get in the end zone. He didn't break a 40 yard run on that play. So I don't know. He's and I agree. He's not catching passes. I I think Devin Singletary will absolutely get used in that role. And I love taking Devin Singletary It's just a ugly zero RB put some points on this roster. Uh, so I agree that Damian Pierce, not a player I find on too many of my rosters. DK Metcalf is also a player I find on very few oh, of my rosters. Going wide receiver oh, 15, 29 oh. overall. We do this every year. We do it with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, we do it with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I don't know why we choose the players we choose to do this with, but like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are, are, pretty close to being like similar fantasy output, similar usage. And yet we, 
every year steam DK Metcalf up to nearly a wide receiver one. He goes three picks after the wide receiver one threshold and plummet Lockett to this year, wide receiver 33. Uh, last year, Metcalf was 16th in weighted opportunity rating, just mixing his air yard share and his target share. Lockett was 24th. Yeah, Metcalf gets the ball a little bit more. Totally fair. Does he get it enough more to justify wide receiver 15 versus wide receiver 33? I, I cannot get behind this. Also, DK Metcalf has outscored Tyler Lockett once in four seasons. He's more efficient, but he's not getting the ball that much more to justify the gap between him and Lockett. I don't hate DK Metcalf at cost, but I just don't get how we always find ourselves with immense Tyler Lockett value. And I don't even think it's like the Brandon Cooks thing where he always outplays his ADP by like three spots and you get the littlest <laughs> thing. You're right. Lockett has huge spike week upside and consistently crushes his ADP. So I'm taking all the locket and I in turn haven't had much DK. Well, I'll tell you exactly why that is, why that is, why we always end up drafted DK Metcalf ahead of Tyler Lockett. Well, look at him. Look at the two guys. Fair enough. One, one, one is big swole, six pack, running 10, three and 100 meters, could run down Buda Baker from a hundred yards behind him. You know, He's got a functioning hairline, whereas the Tyler Lockett does not. You know what I'm saying? So those are the reasons why. And then, but then, they, then at the same time, they both like 1,100 yard receivers. So you know what I'm saying? That's why the optics, the, the you know, the physics of the situation. You know, I, that's why. You know, that's why Justin Herbert is overvalued as well. Tall, long hair. You know. It, it's you know it's part of the game fair part enough game. I, I get it like i see i see videos of you doing like intense looking workouts that you post on twitter and you <laughs> yeah. look at me and you're like i can tell he has bad allergies you just look at him like, <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> he shouldn't be outside so when we go to when we go to canton for the fantasy expo i get why you're on the field and i'm not totally understand but but see so, people will be people will be sadly mistaken when you go out there and we get to play more than two plays denny when you go out there kyle and you catch six passes for 100 yards and two touchdowns and me i'm just out there blocking because we know denny ain't gonna throw me the ball so people will be surprised at what what you could do when you go out there on the field kyle my route running is pretty nice. I will admit, yeah. uh, you know, I'm shifty. I'm shifty. I'm not long speed, but I'm shifty. I'm uh, just a practice all American. <laughs> speaking of speaking of surprises, I your next one will probably surprise me because I didn't ask you beforehand. Who is your next and I believe final undervalued player or overvalued? Yeah. I'm saying that overvalued yeah, player. De, uh, De, uh, Deontay Johnson, and just like we have the same story with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf every year. The same story about Deontay Johnson every year is the targets. Man, he got all these targets last year. Target, target, target. Call him Mr. Target. Look, he's averaged 153 targets the past three years. That's a whopping number. 152 targets. But yet he's turned that into the same average over the past three years to 93 catches and 988 yards. He did have... The one year, a couple of years ago, where he finished as the wide receiver eight, just getting over a thousand, just a little bit, you know. So he, yeah, Deontay Johnson, always gonna get the target. But at what point, from a fantasy perspective, do he got to show up? I actually think Buddy could ball for real, for real. But from a fantasy perspective, at what point 
does he have to show us? He got a quarterback that just threw seven TDs and nine interceptions. Not to say that he can't improve, but that's what happened. Um, you know, you got a guy in uh, George Pickens who catches anything once per game. He makes the best catch in NFL history. So you got that ADP to battle with there. I just think it's a little bit overvalued because of the targets. And while targets are good, you have to see something. You have to see some glimpse of production with those targets in the previous year to come to this year and be like, oh, he just left it on the table. The guy didn't score a touchdown. The whole thing we was talking about last year was how many catches he had without scoring a touchdown. That's extremely hard to do. So, you know, I think it's just a little I, – I, I don't – you know, again, I'll never say I'm not going to draft a player, but he'd have to get pretty low, uh, you know, for him to end up on my fantasy roster. I think I probably take him more than you do because I don't know if you know this, but he gets a lot of targets is the thing. Yeah, I, I heard. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days he'll do something. He'll, like, get the ball. Well, first he'll catch it. One of these days he'll catch one of the targets, and then he'll run forward to gain more yards after the catch. We're still waiting to see what that looks like. He maybe finds his way into the end zone. We don't also know what that looks like. Maybe that happens one day. But I, I won. I do think there's it's totally possible, as you kind of pointed out, that, like, George Pickens could be really good. Deontay Johnson's a good target earner. I'm not sure that like he would be a number one receiver for every team. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure he'll be a number one receiver for this team. Like Pickens was strong in yards per route run. He was fine as a rookie. He was like around league average. He got on the field a ton and he like surprisingly put up 800 yards in a situation that was like dreadful for offensive production. And just 800 yards alone puts him in the upper echelon of like day two picks in their rookie years. Like those guys typically, as I pointed out earlier, Go on to find success. So I could see George Pickens taking a significant amount of targets off the table for Deontay if Deontay doesn't find a way to boost his efficiency, because that's probably just what's naturally going to happen. My last guy, the rebuttal to Marquise Brown. I think Marquise Brown is overvalued going as the wide receiver 31. I, I am terrified of what this offense is going to look like. Colt McCoy, 27th in completion percent over expected last year, 46th in the EPA per play. He had the second lowest air yards per attempt. And that is something Marquise Brown thrives on is being the outside deep speed guy. I think this means a ton of targets for Greg Dorch and Rondale Moore specifically. Uh, I think they'll probably have to share essentially a starting slot role. I think Rondale Moore wins it. And I like Rondale Moore as a, as a PPR scam, as Pat would call him. And I'm concerned that just the offense overall is somewhat dreadful. And Marquise Brown has never been a player who thrived on efficiency on a per route basis. So of course he's, I think he's obviously out there running all the routes. But in the past three years, he's ranked 50th, 52nd, and 51st in yards per route run. He's good, and I think I am uh, the reason I take him, even though I have him below ADP. I'm not so far below that he's a do-not-draft guy for me. The reason that is, as you pointed out, is that whenever DeAndre Hopkins wasn't there, he was elite at earning targets. And I can't say that I don't want – I can't say, oh, Deontay Johnson earns targets without saying that, admittedly, Marquise Brown probably earns a lot of targets sans DeAndre Hopkins. So that's why I still consider taking him – though I do take him far less, even less than I take Deontay. So I, I, I would easily take Marquise Brown over Deontay Johnson. What say you? No, nah, I'll take Deontay. What? Uh, look, he Marquise Brown at least scored a couple of touchdowns with his targets. We Deontay jo Deontay Johnson, it took him a whole season for for uh to get eight hundred yards. Hollywood got seven hundred in twelve games. Like 
And who we sprinkled some Colt McCoy in there, a lot of Colt McCoy in there, matter of fact. So way too much um, Colt McCoy. Way too yeah. much Colt McCoy in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I dig it though. <laughs> All right. That wraps it up. That's three overvalued, three undervalued for each of us. One split between you, the listener, has to decide who made the more persuasive argument and uh, go out and do or don't draft Deontay Johnson. Lawrence, you got any anything coming out these days? Team previews, other articles, shows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just look out for the team previews from all of us. Also, the uh, you know, we got our draft guide that's about to drop as well, too. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, subscribe to the Road World Football Show. All the team previews uh, are coming out pretty much, I think, every day. I know we're getting into some of Denny's. I stacked all mine early. I didn't want to be worried about these in July. So all of mine are already out if you want to check those out. Smart man. Yeah, I think Rams and Packers are, are my most recent ones. Subscribe to the show. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. We will catch you again on Thursday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.